Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. I hope you're well. I'm well, uh, despite the fact uh, that I've had a, you know, a terrible, terrible kitchen accident this week. Uh, really terrible. But we won't go into it, but I'm well in general, you see, because we're here. We haven't been exploded or we're not crawling through the uh, radioactive wastelands foraging for food and, and that kind of stuff. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, North Korea, for not killing us just yet. And thank you as well to all the people who uh, let me know uh, that my proposed savior of the world from last week, Macho Man Randy Savage, is actually dead and has been dead for a number of years. Uh, so he, he probably wouldn't have been as effective a savior as I uh, had hoped. I'll have to think of somebody new, but yeah, that was sad news. That was sad news. And, and and then I chopped a good bit of my finger off during the week, and I thought things weren't going my way. But look, we're here, and we're celebrating life and, and all that that entails. So uh, we'll crack on with the football now uh, in a few moments' time. I just wanted to tell you that, you know, if you're a young younger person than I am, or if you're uh, getting married or, or one of those things, my, my advice to you, and I, I don't often give out uh, personal advice on, on uh, this podcast, because that's really not what it's for. It's about talking about the arsehole. But, you know, it just struck me today that if I could save somebody from some of the hassle that I have, my my advice is never have children, because ultimately, what do they do? But they take your your cream eggs. I had cream egg down in the kitchen, and I was saving it, really, because, you know, it's it's gone beyond the uh, the Easter now, and we've only got the leftover cream eggs. You know, the supplies are dwindling, and I've had one down there, and I said, I'll have a cream egg. And uh turns out that my cream egg was no longer there. It had been eaten by the blogette, who is not really a blogette anymore. She's nearly 22 years of age. So you can imagine how many cream eggs have gone down the years. So uh, unless you can make cream eggs into something that your children run in fear from. And I'm not saying fear is the way that one should raise one's children, not the Alex Ferguson hairdryer approach. I I think that's probably counterproductive. So two choices, either you get lots of cream eggs or don't have any children. There you go. That's uh, that's the end of my personal advice slot for this particular week. Right then, um, the football, or since the last time we spoke, it's gone pretty well. Three more points. We were cruising to victory against West Brom. Cruising, I say. We had a goal from Thomas Rosicki and then, blimey, another goal from Thomas Rosicki. The first time that he scored two in a game uh, since uh, that game against Liverpool. I think it was in the in the FA Cup and one of them was a really great goal and the other one, was I can't remember it at all. But he did score two in that game, I think. Um, and he's not renowned for his goal scoring, it has to be said. In all the years that he's uh, been playing for us, I think he's only got 13 or, or 14 Premier League goals, which, you know, from six games isn't bad when you think about it. But no, he, he's a guy who could have uh, probably scored a lot more goals had he stayed fit. That, of course, is uh, his big issue. Uh, but fantastic to see him do it because uh, we were talking on last week's show with Gunnar Hollick about, about Rosicki and what he brought to the side and uh, and the energy and the zip and the bit of class. And, you know, he showed that against West Brom. Uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> as is uh, fairly normal with Thomas, uh, he's, he's probably going to miss this weekend's game with Norwich because of um, an injury. His, his hamstrings are playing up, I believe. Um, 
but that's par for the course. I think we've learned to accept that and live with that. Uh, a shame, but we, we could have Jack Wilshire back. We'll, we'll uh, look more at the team news a, a little bit later on. Uh, but uh, it was all going so well, 2-0 up, but I thought we could have scored more. And then, of course, well, we were reduced to 10 men. And um, I don't know if you play FIFA or, or one of those uh, computer games. And, and on one of the bits of commentary, or one of the things I often say on the TV, uh, after a team goes down to 10 men, they say, you know, this could actually make it more difficult for the, uh, for the opponents. Because, you know, playing against 10 men is, is never easy. In fact, sometimes it's, it's just more difficult. That wasn't the case with, with this particular game because um, not so much that we took our eye off the ball. We just couldn't get anywhere near it. West Brom fairly pummeled us. They missed brilliant chances, brilliant chances uh, to score. Lukaku, who, who I think uh, is going to be a pretty good player, uh, he added by Ord one wide of the post and Shane Long... Uh, he, he whacked one over the bar and there was a guy who got the, the lumpy bit on his face. What was his name? McCauley. Uh, six yards out, corner comes to the back post and he headed wide and he got a good run on it and uh, pretty much a free header. So we rode our luck a little bit, it has to be said. Only 17 completed passes in the final 26 minutes of that game compared to something like 310 completed passes in the preceding 70 minutes. It just shows you how we completely and utterly went, uh, just lost the plot. And uh, sometimes a sending off can reinvigorate a team. It can make us stubborn. Do you remember the game against Bolton? Was it Bolton? And we were 2-0 down, I think. And it could have been Diaby who got sent off for a pretty bad tackle, actually. Um, Yeah, we won't dwell on that. But uh, yeah, we came back and we won 3-2. I think it might have been Sesk that scored the winning goal. And, um, you know, that was a sending off which didn't affect us and, and perhaps uh, reinforce us positively in a way because um, they maybe thought they had the game won. But at uh, 2-1 down, it was uh, like last season's trip to uh, the Hawthorns where it was just edge-of-the-seat stuff, nail-biting, and you kind of expected Wes Brom to score at any time. Um, we'll discuss the sending off itself now in, in, in a couple of moments with our guests this week, but in the end, we hung on and took three points, and uh, three very, very valuable points they were too, when you consider that Tottenham dropped points at home to Everton, which means that if we win our game in hand over Spurs, uh, then we can go uh, go ahead of them. And um, it's it's sort of in our hands. And I know people pointed out to me during the week that it was already in our hands because Tottenham and Chelsea have to play at some point and one of them will drop points. And, you know, it's obviously in our hands for the first time in a little while. And you've got to give the team credit for coming back. So uh, we'll discuss all that and the other bits and pieces now with our guest for this week, uh, Tim Stillman. Hello there. Hello there. Let's start with West Brom. Another three big points, uh, especially given some of the results that, that happened last weekend. Uh, as a game, though, it was it was quite interesting because Arsenal were well in control for 70 minutes and then there was the sending off and, and the last 20-25 minutes. Uh, it, I can't really remember the last time we, we struggled to get a hold of the game in, in any way like that. Uh, it seems to be kind of a recurring theme now every time we play West Brom at their place. It, it's a real battle. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And I... I... I expected it to be, but I expected it to be for the whole 90 minutes. Whereas uh, on this occasion, as you say, we were, I thought we were really in control. Um, it's not like we were battering them with chance after chance, but watching the game, you just had a, a kind of a reasonable feeling that, yeah, we're, we're dictating this game um, at the moment and West Brom aren't really causing us any problems. Um, and, and we were reasonably comfortable. And I, I felt about two or three minutes before the sending off, um, I got the vibe that we were a bit too comfortable 
actually that um, that we'd lost our intensity and and I think the manager certainly felt that looking at him on the touchline uh, just before that penalty was given um, he, he kind of got up for the first time in the game and stood up um, and so I, I think he sensed that as well um, and you know just before the red card Lukaku came on and you know we're we're very very fortunate that West Brom didn't start with him um, which I felt was a, a really strange but very pleasing decision uh, for them not to do so. Mm. And they kind of they, they changed the way they played a bit. It gave them more of a threat and a presence up front. And yeah, of course, then, you know, in one fell swoop, we've lost the player, you know, a defender and someone who kind of calms things down a bit back there. Um, and West Brom have got the goal and they've got their tails up and they've got their best player on and and you know, it, it was it was in one respect it was pleasing that we we kind of fended them off and we did dig in and and, and grind it out. In another respect, we were quite fortunate. I think if um, you know that Lukaku chance falls on his left foot with five minutes to go, I think it's a very different story. Um, you know, Shane Long missed a very presentable chance in injury time, and you know those are, those are very small margins. And if either of them had gone against us, we're talking about throwing another game away. Mm. Um, but I, I think there was there's more to be positive about than uh, the negative. Um, but I, I just think there's still that slight anxiety there for me that we did lose our intensity and it did become almost too easy for us. And how many times have we seen us, this this Arsenal side do that? Yeah. Um, think that they've got things wrapped up and think they've done the hard yard and they actually haven't. Sure. Um, and I, I I think that's a a slight concern, but on the other hand, you know, we've, we've shown this kind of newfound defensive uh, solidity and I was having this conversation last night. I thought Arteta really came into his own in that last 20 minutes. He really took responsibility for, you know, directing people um, around that back line. Um, it, it was just a shame that, you know, Giroud, uh, we just, we couldn't seem to hold on to the ball and a lot of that I think was down to um, it was down to panic, but I, I, you know, I thought Giroud had a really poor game up there in that respect, actually, because what we really needed from him um, was to hold the ball up, and he just couldn't do it. Mm, I'm um, not sure we ever really got the ball up that that high up the pitch, uh, certainly in the last ten or fifteen minutes, because you know the momentum of the game it just it turned on a sixpence, and you know they just got the the wind in their sails. I wanted to ask you what you thought of of the. There's no issue, obviously, with the the, the decision. Uh, mm. to send Mertesacker off. Um, but what about the decision he made to make a tackle? Because in, in the in the cold light of day afterwards, people are sort of saying, well, maybe, you know, given the fact that Long had got the wrong side of him, uh, you know, and it was his own, I think it was his own bad positioning which allowed that to happen. But, you know, mm. would, would Arsenal have been better off if he'd not made a tackle? Uh, the keeper could have saved it, or even if they'd scored, we see out the game you know, 11 versus 11. I, I guess it's an instinctual thing, though, for a defender, isn't it? When they see someone ahead, they, they, you know, they feel like they have to make a challenge, particularly when they're Definitely. making it for a mistake of their own. Definitely. And I, I think, yes, in if it's a kind of uh, a rational decision that you get to think about, definitely he should have let Shane Long go through. And given Shane Long's finish in injury time, there's, and the fact that he hasn't scored for, I think, more than six games now, um, you know he's he's not in great form in, in in front of goal, and there's a reason that there's it's by no means certain he would have scored. Although I I suggest that he might have, 
Um, and yes, it, it would have, of course, been better to be 2-1 down with 11 men um, where we've still got the opportunity to catch them on the break, even if they are coming on to us. Um, however, I, I do think it was totally instinct. I do think Mertesacker knew what he was doing. I think he lunged and thought, well, if I get the ball, great. But if I don't, then, you know, I, th- I think he kind of accepted his fate, as it were. And I think that was a conscious thing. He thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll clean him out. Um, and, you know, rationally, not sure that was the best decision. Um, probably somewhat like uh, Jens Lehmann in the Champions League final. Um, but, you know, you, you don't get that sort of time uh, to consider it. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see why he did what he did. In terms of uh, what the result means, though, I mean, three very big points again. Tottenham have dropped points. And, and um, by the time Spurs play another league game, we'll have played three. And there's the possibility that if results go our way, you know, we could be seven points ahead of them. Obviously, they'd have a couple of games in hand. But if we were to achieve that, you know, I don't think it's uh, by any means guaranteed that we will, because I think if we look at the game uh, tomorrow against Norwich, that's a game from which we should take three points. But we can't overlook the fact that uh, Everton took points from uh, Tottenham away from home. They're a very difficult side, as we know. But, you know, all going well, we could be seven points ahead. That really does strike a a blow uh, psychologically because at this stage of the season, you know, games in hand are great, but points on the board are really what counts. Definitely. I think if we do do that, if we are in a position where we're seven points ahead of them and they have Manchester City at home, which is... Not exactly a given in anybody's book either. Um, I'd feel very, very confident um, about certainly the top four and possibly even third um, if we manage to do that. Um, there's there's a long way to we're at that point, but I think that psychologically that would be a real blow to Spurs. Um, I'm sure people listening will appreciate this is being recorded before Spurs play tonight, um, and of course that could have psychological implications to them if they're to go out of the Europa League as well. Um, we could be talking because they don't play this weekend. So, you know, all, all things being equal, we could be talking about Spurs dealing with a demoralising exit from a cup competition. And by the time their next play, they might be seven points behind us. That's, you know, that's the best case scenario. Mm. I, I'm not convinced that's going to happen myself. I still think that Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, I think we're all going to get unexpected results um, before the end of the season. And I'd I'd be pleasantly surprised if we took nine points from the next three, uh, despite how well we're playing. I I just don't think football or life works quite like that um, most of the time. I, I do think, and you know, Fulham away, is going to be a very, very tough game. Everton at home is going to be a very, very tough game. You know, Norwich would be the one you'd look at uh, and you'd expect three points from. But then Blackburn at home would be a game you'd look at and expect to go through to the next round of the FA Cup. So Mm. there's really nothing to be taken for granted. Um, We struggled against Aston Villa at home and Villa, although they've had experience and upturn in form recently, they're a terrible side. Um, and, you know, we, we really had to dig deep to beat them at home. So I, I don't, it, it would be absolutely fantastic to go uh, seven points ahead of Spurs by the time they next play. And if we do that, I think we're, we're almost there. Um, and, and also, I, I think, do we go above Man City if we do that as well? If not, we're, we're very close to them, albeit I don't, 
harbour any realistic expectation of getting second. But, you know, it, it could make things interesting from that point of view. Mm. Um, but I, I think there's a real long way to go in that respect, yeah. I, I think all three of the teams chasing those two places are going to have uh, surprise results before the end. I think as well you're you're kind of forgetting that that Manchester City are about to go on a, an unbeaten run towards the end of the season. Man United are going to drop all the points in the world, and and uh, Sir Dutchman is going to be very unhappy come the end of the season. That's, you know, <laughs> again, all things uh, going our way. Um, before we talk about uh, this weekend's game and and just what the manager might do in terms of the team. Uh, story this week about Andre Arshavin and that he's considering retirement uh, from the game. Uh, I'm not sure I buy that, to be honest, because, you know, he's got a few million quid to make somewhere. You know, when there's teams uh, paying Drogba and and Elka to go to China and all that kind of stuff, you know, there's somebody that will take him. Um, But but from an Arsenal point of view, you know, it's been, it's sort of amazing how he started on a high and it's it's been pretty much all downhill ever since, really. Um, you know, last season when, when he was sent out on loan in February, and, and when you consider the circumstances that Arsenal were in last February, I, at the time I was sort of going, I was scratching my head going, look, you know, between now and the end of the season, we need as many uh, good players around. And Arshavin had provided an assist for uh, an honorary goal late at Sunderland, I think it was. And, you know, you're, you're thinking, well, what is the manager doing here? But he sent him off. We went on this run. We did what we needed to do between now and the end uh, between then and the end of the season. Uh, and he was sort of proved right. And, you know, uh, he's only played, started two games for us uh, this season. You know, it's I guess we're just guessing at uh, what's gone on, but he just seems like somebody whose heart really isn't in it anymore. No, absolutely. And I think sending him out on loan last season was, you know, the manager's way of saying, look, you're really not welcome here. You're really dispensable. Uh, kind of, you know, similar to what he's done with Scalacci this season. You look up at Sunderland, we had, you know, centre-backs injured and he didn't even make the bench. Sanya was preferred. Then Jenkinson gets sent off and it's Mikel that's on the bench. And that's sending Scalacci a really strong message that there is absolutely no way you are playing whatsoever. So, you know, that's the case. Not even if there's a massive injury crisis, you are gone as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's what he was trying to communicate to Arshavin last season. And I, I, I share your cynicism for the story. I think that's agent fluff. That's kind of one up possibly from sending a brochure out uh, <laughs> to, to kind of interested parties. But to be honest, I think he should retire, um, if, I, if I'm quite honest, because he's clearly, he's had opportunities to leave. Um, he hasn't wanted to take them. He knows that he's not going to play here. Still hasn't shown any interest in taking them. And if his heart's not in it anymore, and there, you know, I understand that there are circumstances around his private life, if he doesn't want to play the game anymore, he shouldn't. And actually, I would respect his decision to retire um, if that was what he really wanted. Because, um, you know, I, I, when, when he came on um, at Chelsea back in January, I, I honestly, I, I turned to the person I sit with and I said, who is that that's coming on? I do not recognise that person. And it was and it was amazing when it was Arshavin because I saw him warming up, but he was wearing a big bench jacket. And it, it was... I've, I don't think I've ever seen such a physically out of condition player um, as I saw then. And, and you know, his his subsequent performance in that ten minutes was embarrassing. 
Um, it was really embarrassing, and I felt embarrassed that our squad was, you know, at that stage where this this guy was allowed even to sit on the bench. Mm. Uh, but what does um, it say about, you know, the, the, the fact that he came to us, you know, in such a blaze of glory, and he's clearly a really, really talented guy. You know, he's got uh, mm. skill and ability on the football that, you know, lots of players would kill for, and, you know, he just seems to have let it all slip. I mean... Is it a symptom of the modern game, or is he just, you know, one of those guys? I think he probably is one of those guys. I think Arsene Wenger would love to have got hold of him five or six years earlier. I think uh, the fact is, you know, we signed him when he was, what, 29? Mm. Um, And he'd been playing in the Russian League, in his hometown, you know, talented player. Probably had it quite easy. Everybody loved him. He was probably the best player in the league. You know, didn't really have to put much of a, of a shift in. And he comes to the Premier League at the age of 29. And it was probably just too late for him to adapt to what the Premier League demands because you can't you can't just kind of spawn around and rely on ability alone um, in a league like the Premier League. And I think he's been too used to doing that. And had we got him a few years earlier, you know, Arsene might have been able to work with that. Um, and, and that's why I think he's been kind of so mercurial um, I you know I, I think it's slightly overstated um, the impact he had when he first came in I think he certainly gave the club a lift um, he certainly gave the supporters a lift in terms of kind of identifiable contribution um, I, I think I'm right in saying that he earned this one point his goals were directly responsible for one point um at the end of the 2008-9 season that was Liverpool away when we drew 4 all, and we were actually 6 or 7 points ahead of Villa at the time I, I don't think his assists were worth that much in currency either so mm-hmm. uh, you know there are certain intangible things that yes he, he gave everybody a bit of a lift but I, I still think his contribution was a bit more fitful than people have remembered but I think we were also desperate for you know a, a good creative player which he is um, that we kind of, myself included, uh, allowed ourselves to overstate um, his influence in that time. I, I also think that Russia not qualifying for the World Cup had a bit of a profound effect on him. That's when I think I really saw a big change in him as well. Mm, I, I, um, I, I, I struggled to get that because, you know, sort of Gervinho missing the penalty in the in the uh, the African Cup of Nations. I get that, you know, you can have a, a bit of a, a demoralizing game, but, I, you know, the, the fact that Russia didn't qualify for the World Cup shouldn't really have any impact on his on his club career. It shouldn't. You know, you don't get to play in the World Cup. Unlucky. Lots of great players don't get to play in the World Cup like Ryan Giggs or, you know, loads of them. They never get a chance, you know. But anyway, listen, I, we have to move on very, very quickly. Uh, final question. Given that Theo Walcott is fit tomorrow, does he come straight back into the side ahead of Gervinho? No, not for me. Uh, for me, Javinho stays in. Javinho um, has been kind of adding value to that team. He's playing really, really well in that kind of second striker role. Um, I know Michael Cox wrote a, a brilliant piece on the website actually saying that Javinho's stint, you know, as a centre forward has, has really helped him become a very good wide player. Um, and I, I just think... I, personally, I'm, I'm a very, very big kind of proponent of if someone's playing well keep them in, keep them in until such time that there is a reason not to. Um, and I think that goes for, I, I understand that Rosicki might not be fit, but I'd have said the same about Wilshire coming in for Rosicki. Not for me, he'd sit on the bench. 
I'm slightly dubious that Fabianski is this reformed goalkeeper. However, he's not done anything wrong. Keep him in. Same with the centre-halves and Vermaelen being dropped. I just think, particularly at this stage of the season where uh, kind of momentum and results mean so much, I, and we, you know, we're not engaged in other competitions, our priorities are very, very clear and set out. You know, I think you keep the team as long as they're playing well, and that includes Jovino, um, who I think has, has kind of sussed a little bit that, that second striker role. Mm. And, you know, he's a confidence player. He's feeling the confidence at the moment. He's having a tangible effect on results. That The only reason to drop him would be reputation um, at the moment, and that, that doesn't sit well with me. He's playing well. He's producing. He's got end product. Why on earth would you drop him other than the fact that you know, Theo Walcott's name carries a little bit more gravitas. Well, you know, that, that doesn't cut it for me. Walcott um, has to has to work his way back into the team now. That's that's life at a, at a club like ours. Um, and so it's, it's Jovino for me all day. All right, good stuff. Tim, we better leave it there. Thank you very much. We'll uh, catch you again soon. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to Tim. Don't forget, if you need a bit more Stillman in your life, you can read his column every Thursday on arsblog.com. Uh, he's on Vital Arsenal, or you can find him on Twitter at Little Dutch VA. That's at Little Dutch VA on Twitter. So give him a follow. Right. Um, speaking of our Shavin, uh, it's just, just a, an incredible story. The idea that he might retire. I mean, it, it lends itself almost uh, to a movie. Look at old, don't you see? Nobody wants to play Columbia Pictures presents the epic story of one man cast adrift in a world he didn't understand. He started as a hero. Arshavin! Four! But the good times couldn't last, and soon the cheers became not cheers. They called him Arshavin. I am one who has scored four goals at the infield. I can do what I like. I eat cake all day. You can't stop me. If you don't like, you go somewhere else and watch me not eat cake. This is Talkshite Radio talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. Today, Andre Arshavin. What has happened to the little Russian genius? Top three Arshavin goal. Shut up, boy. Number one. God damn it, I said shut up, boy. Now say hello to my little friend. No. You think you are greatest striker in world. You are not greatest striker in world. I am, because I'm McBannor. And you listen here, uh, Shavin. I am the greatest striker I ever lived. And that is the truth. You can't handle the truth. Starring B. Arthur as Arsene Wenger and Peter Dinklage as Arshavin. The talented Mr. Kipling. In cinemas this summer.
Right then, looking ahead to tomorrow's game against Norwich, and the team news is, of course, no per murder sacker because he's uh, suspended after his red card against West Brom. That means that Thomas Vermalen will come straight back into the side alongside Lauren Koscielny. Arsene Wenger has praised the captain for his response to being dropped. He says he's a remarkable character, fantastic, and all that kind of stuff. So maybe he's been doing some stuff in training. Hopefully he can come in alongside Koscielny and we won't really notice the absence of Mertesacker, although I do have my worries uh, that, that Koscielny and Vermalen are, are a bit too similar. And uh, maybe that's where some of our problems come from. But uh, hopefully the captain uh, will find some form and respond to the fact that he has been left out of the side because he hasn't been playing well enough. Out of the team goes Thomas Rosicki, probably uh, because he's got a hamstring injury, which is a bit of a shame after uh, the way he played against West Brom. It's a case of two steps forward, one step back for him, or one step forward and two steps back. I don't know. I'm not a dance teacher. You decide how many steps forward and back it all is, but it's a shame that Rosicki can't build on his two goals against West Brom. That leaves the manager, of course, with a decision. Does he bring back Jack Wilshire straight into the side? He could certainly do that, or he could uh, bring Cazorla back into the midfield, play Podolski, who's fit again uh, and healthy and hasn't played for a little while and is probably, I would hope, chomping at the bit to get a game. And the other issue, of course, as we discussed with Tim, is that Gervinho uh, and Theo Walcott are up for the position on the right-hand side. For me, I agree with Tim. Gervinho's got to stay in the side. He's been playing well. He's scoring. He's assisting. Walcott's form hasn't been particularly good uh, over the last couple of months. And I know he's been out injured, but he hasn't scored since the end of January. And uh, it would just seem a little bit harsh to me uh, to drop Gervinho. If Gervinho doesn't perform in the first hour, well, then we've got a fairly good replacement to come off the bench in Walcott. So uh, let's give the guy another chance and hopefully he can keep it up. And, uh, you know, it's to our benefit if he does that. So uh, let's keep fingers crossed. This uh, fixture last year was a bit of a pain. I think uh, Bradley Johnson broke Bakary Sanya's leg, and I think it was a draw in the end, wasn't it? Uh, one of those uh, games towards the end of the season where we really struggled, but three points uh, would be very, very welcome indeed, considering some of the fixtures we've got uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so let's keep everything crossed for that. I'll talk to you on next week's Arscast. So until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, I uh, like idea of movies. Uh, it's a good idea because uh, people get to see uh, real Arshavin, you know. It's uh, not that uh, common thing to see uh, inside of me. Not like my guts, but the real me inside, you know. Who uh, who thinking about uh, to play me in film? I like, uh, you know, guy... Oh, he look like he have uh, strength of ten men. Um, bit special. M- Matt Damon. I like. Uh, I like him to play. Who? Game of Thrones. No. Oh. Oh, you mean a uh, little guy? Who? Who am I? Cazorla. <laughs>